Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Uh, I just looked at the weather forecast, and gee, I'm so excited. We're getting rain all weekend. You mother... That's no, sorry. Um, Russ, start us off with the pre-show. Sure. A couple days late here, but I I, I, I want to give a... Uh, a rest in peace to Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, who yes. I was a big fan of. He he was one of the great heels. Yeah, he was he was strong. He was good on the mic, but he also, you know, in, in the wrestling world, he also knew how to get a feud going. And he had great feuds going with a lot of the great ones, including Hogan. I was telling Mike like that one time, and, and we were texting with somebody that that Saturday night's main event, Hogan Orndorff, when Hogan hits the ground. Actually, Orndorff hits the ground like a second before Hogan, and he's counted out, and Hogan wins the big cage match. That could have gone wrong. Like that, there wasn't really much, elo, you know, they, that really was one of those things where if something goes wrong, a guy trips or whatever, like Mike said, they're, then they're going to have to have another match the night after mm-hmm. where they can switch over the belt. But it worked out, and, and Orndorff was really good. I Him with Bobby Heenan, it was kind of magical, actually. Well, Anthony, it's funny because I – and I cannot remember – I know it was a tag team match. For some reason, I want to say this is like back in the day when on Saturday night – they had the they had the Saturday Night Wrestling WWF Wrestling on, mm. on WOR out of New York, and I was right. telling Russ that it always pissed me off when they had the harness racing from Roosevelt Raceway, and it, and it would it would because of the Ranger game or the Islander game, it would go over because wrestling was on at midnight, and it's like twelve fifteen, and wrestling's still not on, so it was always pissing me off. But like the one night they had a they had a championship tag team match, and I'm pretty sure it was. One of my favorites, Dominic DiNucci and SD Special Delivery Jones. And he would team with him. SD Jones. Oh, God. With the, you know, with the, what, what a great name. What his, a great his, name. Is of course, his, uh, his submission move was the headbutt. Uh, but uh, so they won – they won the tag team title on a Saturday night, and I got the feeling that it wasn't supposed to go that way. So right. when it was on a Monday night, I think on either on USA Network or whatever channel it was, they lost. The t- they held the title for two days. Yeah, two days. Now uh, the funny now, Danucci thing, held titles, and it was the greatest two days of Michael's life. Yeah, no, no, Danucci <laughs> was a good title holder. Like he was a great tag team yeah, guy. But- SD Jones was kind of like a worker. He didn't really win much. He was up there with like Johnny Rods and Hector and Jose Estrada. Iron Mike Sharp. Iron Mike Sharp. Iron Mike Sharp. There we go. He would scream if you put him if you put him in an armbar, he'd be like, oh, and you'd hear him across the, the whole arena. Paul, oh, sell it. There was a guy. There was a guy <laughs> named Frank Williams. He had a singlet. He was like, this big, fat, white guy. No, but but Orndorff. There was a. The, the, and somebody mentioned it in the chat. The the funny the Orndorff was tag team with with uh with Hogan against I think it was like King Kong Bundy and either like Big John Studd or somebody like that, and Orndorff. Did did the turn on Hogan during the match? Like he comes in, he saves him. Yeah, 
He's lifting Hogan up. All of a sudden, he pile drives him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he does the turn. And that was like, you know, that was akin to like Jimmy Snuka hitting or a Piper hitting Snuka with the, with the coconut. It was that. It was that. It was that bad. It was that like much of a. Oh, uh, not Sean. That wasn't on the level of Sean. What was it? Michaels and who was the oh, other? Right, it wasn't the Montreal Screwjob. No. No, no, not the Montreal Screwjob. I'm thinking of the one in the barbershop. Oh, the barbershop. Yeah. That was with Him, um, Jimmy Snuka. No, it wasn't Snuka. It was somebody. Oh, it was somebody it was, cracked the it coconut. Was, no. no. Okay, so wait, Snuka, Snuka was Piper's pit. They were the, oh, when they was Piper's Piper's when they when they were, wasn't it when they were the rock. I'm trying no, to think. It was the, the rock. Rock. Oh, no, Jannetty. No. Marty Jannetty, yeah. When he put it, you know, yeah, yeah. with their massive power mullets back yes. in the day. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was yeah, saying yeah. the barber shop that was Stone Cold on Vince McMahon because that he did something mm. in a barber shop. I was no, 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 McMahon. I was in a barber shop. McMahon was in a uh, a hospital room. A hospital oh, bed was Stone Cold, and he had his hospital account on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the best moments ever. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna give a quick Bundy story. Anthony may not know this one because I've told a few Bundy stories, but I don't think I've told it on the show because he used to live in my neighborhood here. And I remember, I, was from, I know he was from down there. A lot of people. Yeah. And I would run into him. And actually, when he would go to the post office, they would call him Chris and he'd be like, yeah, he, he never like acted like King Kong Bundy. That was yeah, the funny thing. I hope it wasn't yeah. at a fast food joint. <laughs> no, it was in the post office most of the time that I would see him. And so I saw him the day after the 2010 Stanley Cup. And one of the local guys at the counter was asking me about it. And I said, yeah, I said, look, the better team won. End of the day, the better team won. I was at the front of the line. All of a sudden at the back of the line, I heard, thank you. And I turn around and it's Bundy. And I'm like, why are you thanking me? He goes, because you told the truth. He goes, I appreciate people who tell it like it is and told the truth. And I'm like, and that was the first time I ran into King Kong Bundy. Then I ran into him a few more times over the years. Yeah, I tell you, one, one thing One thing that wrestling, especially WWF wrestling, that they made sure that they changed the politically incorrect fairly quickly. I remember in the 70s, if you remember, the, the Iron Sheik's name before he was the Iron Sheik was King Hussein the Arab. Oh, yeah. And but 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 they the, but they didn't but you know they did take advantage of like the political realities because remember they teamed they teamed him up with what, what was it Nikolai Volkov. Volkov that was the classic there you had Volkov you had the two great en enemies of America you yeah. know? Iran, number one Russia number one look at USA <laughs> yeah you know, the is, is like from like Michigan or something who knows great now uh, just before we start the show and Ak will be joining us any. Many any minute. Um, oh wait, I got a Virgil thing here. Mark Ellis, he said he met Virgil. Okay, this is my story about Virgil. We would always run into Virgil at the <coughs> National Collectors Convention, and for many many years, we used to do a live radio show from there. Virgil got to know us to the point where he would just come up and just hang out at the radio show. But one year, Virgil was like, "I'm making, I got to make a lot of bets on baseball. Who do you like?" And he looked at me. And I'm like, seriously, you're coming to me for your action? Like, you want me to tell you who I think is going to win the baseball games? Virgil liked to gamble, man. I can't even imagine how much he might be gambling right now, now that it's really wide open, because that was back in the day where he had to go to a bookie. But Virgil, yeah, that was legendary. It was funny. Personally, you, know, you can meet Virgil. I'd like to, I I would have liked to have met Stacy Keebler. Um, okay, I did meet Stacy Keebler. She was very nice. Yes, and still is. Um, now. 
Coca-Cola, New York Times reported yesterday that Coca-Cola is changing the formula, apparently, or the taste of Coke Zero um, uh, to, and I don't know what they're what they're changing it to, but I so now I I've I have tried Coke Zero in the past because I'm diabetic. Uh, I would like to drink a non-sugar version of Coke that tasted good, but unfortunately, Coke Zero, Diet Coke tastes terrible. You, the aspartame is just disgusting. I I was, Coke Zero was better than Diet Coke, but I hear it was definitely better than Diet Coke for sure. Yeah, they, they had they had a Coca they had a Coca Cola Life, which was very low sugar with stevia. And then in Europe, they had when I was there, they had Coca Cola Light, which was five, which wasn't zero calories, was five calories. Right. Okay. But I could not tell the difference between that and regular Coke. Yeah. The question is, what was the sweetener in it? Was exactly. It well, and again, if it's a sweet, probably a sweetener that's not FDA approved. Well, right. it was 1920s. We know what the sweetener was, but it's yeah, not the it's, it's, it's cocaine, baby. <laughs> right. I was going to say, riding the train. No, but, 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 but honestly, like, okay, they, they experimented about, I'd say, seven or eight years ago with Coke with Splenda, because Splenda is one of the more popular. Another one of those. Yeah. Right. And the problem is, is that they didn't get the balance right. It was so super sweet. It was like you were drinking sugar with Coke. That's how right. bad it was. Yeah. But, but uh, honestly, it's like, I mean, I would give it a try, but as long as it's got aspartame as the sweetener, I don't see how I, you know how it could be any different. So yeah, Annika's right. A Jack and Coke is good. Like that's the only way I can have Jack Daniels. So Coke and whiskey is pretty good. I honestly, I don't know why they're redoing it. I just think they're they're run out of ideas and they're trying to just go with new marketing. Well, so Russ, it's long been an, an urban myth, and I don't know whether it's true or not that the whole new Coke thing was an advertising gimmick just to because their their sales were lagging with Pepsi. Pepsi was catching them. And this was like, okay, we'll put a new Coke out there. We'll we'll get raise everything a, a hissy fit, then bring classic Coke back. No, so okay, so like on A and E, they have those things where it's like the men that built America. They have one that the food that built America, and they did right. have one on the on the Cola Wars. And no, they got in a new CEO at the time, Mike, and he just decided they needed a new formula. So they did legitimately change the formula. Always and, good. When, it's always good when the CEOs are like the man. Are you are you a master chemist? Yeah, <laughs> and that's ultimately. The, here's the funny thing, okay? And I get it. Some people say it's disgusting. I've never drank it, but if you grew up with it, you still like it with certain things, like a pizza, like yeah. whatever. And yeah, but if you try and give Coke to like I don't know, you let your cat sniff it or your dog, they won't go near it. No right. other. We're the only things on earth that really like We're it. Ones, and I and I'll be honest, I, I I don't my my main drinks of choice at this point now are mostly water, yeah, coffee, mostly water for me too. Tea. tea. I'll have a soda like my, over at my parents' place. I'll have you know my dad. We we have we occasionally have a rum and diet coke. Actually, this is pretty good. This is Mountain Dew Kickstarter. It's the only type of Mountain Dew I'll drink. I stay with Mountain okay. Dew. Actually, pretty good. I have my I have my dosage of Mountain Dew during college. God, I hate yeah, it. I was never a Mountain Dew guy. But this in the nineties, I had it. My wife had it, and it was like it was before coffee. Yeah. Uh, now, now, I'm an orange. I'm an orange soda guy from like a kid, and then I started. Hadn't didn't have it in a while. And this was the closest thing. Yeah, I, I like the I like an orange crush. Orange crush every once in a while, but yeah. Uh, 
But no, and and I love. You I love, can get the Tang, Michael. Root beer. Now, root no, beer. no, it's, it's it's completely different from Tang. Tang yeah, is. I, I will say this: a good combination still is root beer and pizza. That's still and a good I, I love I love I love a good root beer. Uh, a and W is great. I'm yes. a fan of a bit. I'm I'm a beer and pizza guy now. I love I love yeah man, beer and pizza, pizza beer. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll we'll get started. Oh, Ben. By the way, yeah. Somebody said in the chat. I can, honestly, if you had a taste test, how could you really tell the difference between? Seven Up, Sprite, and Sierra Mist. They all. I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. Sprite is the sweetest soda on earth to the point where I can't even touch it. Right. I hate it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either. Yeah, and, and and the same goes. Same goes with the ginger ale. <laughs> Occasional ginger ale, but you have to like sort of. But even it ginger ale is fake now. Like, there's no yeah, actual it's ginger not, ale. For real, yeah. But Canada, Canada Dry and and Schweppes basically taste the same to me. That's why I drink Verner's because Verner's is like a higher level. Of of Go look at the ingredients and you'll see none of them on the market actually have ginger in them anymore. Okay. All right. Uh, Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, July 15th, 2021. I'm Anthony Mangione, and this weekend, Off the Post Radio has a draft special coming. You should definitely be tuning into that with our esteemed panel here. And some guests. And guests. And surprises. And surprises. So, at prizes, not surprises. But anyway. no, 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 it'll be oh, surprises. surprises for that. Yeah, it yeah. might be a surprise. That's true. <laughs> also, uh, I'm Russ Cohen, and yes, I'm happy that the black is back for the New York Mets. I, I've had my black jersey forever. Damn. I've been waiting Damn. for this moment. Damn. Damn. They had, listen, they had good success wearing the black in the 90s. They had pretty good success with it, so... I think of every every Tony Joey on 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 the island in those jerseys. I was a big Ray Ordonez fan. He was good with it. So, yeah, Edgardo Alfonso, and I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Surprised that Anthony was the one who did the plug and not Russ. There was uh, listen, I'm the master plugger. I get it. I get you it. are I get the, the master plugger, plugger at Sportsology.com. But. <laughs> Buy my book, Strike Three. Okay, <laughs> so let's start off with the surprising news. We've had some, a couple, a few buyouts. Uh, the one that uh, the, the the Ryan Suter and the and the uh, Zach Parise buyouts were uh, were 1906 San Francisco earthquake like in terms of their surprise and their effect. Uh, this one not so much, and I think we saw the signals coming by what happened at the beginning of last season when the threat of him being benched and not not continuing his consecutive game streak and then being benched in the playoffs. Uh, Bill Zito and the Florida Panthers, Russ, uh, buy out the final two years of Keith Yandel's uh, contract. Uh, the cap hit uh, is, I think, around 2.4 this year, goes up to 5 in year 2, and then goes down, I think, in the million range for the third and fourth year. But um, still a player that can contribute something, but he's not a – let's just say he's not a well-rounded two-way player. Mm -hmm. that, that, wow, that, I mean, this is, never was. this is a shrinking market now for guys like Yandel that are one-dimensional defensemen, and it's only going to get worse. Tampa is basically forcing teams to root out all these guys – based on their success and the makeup of their blue line. That's what's causing a lot of it. And so as an example, you know, Gustafson's going to have trouble getting work in the future. There will be others too. And we knew Quenville, Quenville didn't like the way Yandel played. He 
he put him on notice. He probably saw a little something in him still. So he got what he could out of him last year. And then he probably said after this season that he's not in his future plans. Uh, yeah. yeah for, I mean, for me, again, it, it, the closest I could, closest for me was that maybe there was the hope that Yandel would take on sort of maybe Quenville had the idea early on that he could have somewhat of a Brian Campbell like effect if right. we're going to go back into it. And it just at least Campbell would I, again, Yandel has never been known to really be a guy who bites back on the play. you got to have a strong defensive partner with him. And, you know, in, in many ways, it's just. If you're one-dimensional and that one dimension is getting weaker and weaker by the year. You know what it is? Remember how Sergey Gonchar would get a job five years past when he should? That doesn't happen anymore with those guys. Or at least it doesn't happen with them making significant money. I mean, he could go somewhere. Now, I think there are certain teams that will re-sign him and pay him not as much as he was making. He was making 6.35 the last two years. If there's a team that needs a power play quarterback – he could make probably a million five to two million. I don't know if he'll want to make that, Mike. That's the other thing about right. Pete Yandel. I'm not sure how low he'll go. Well, and that's the thing. Like, if he goes back to a team like Arizona who needs to get back get to the cap, then they'll pay him more. Then they'll pay him more and he'll play every day. But it's a question of whether that that's the important thing for I, him. I honestly wonder we get into a certain point of the summer, Mike, if he's still out there and we're starting to play your favorite game of uh one year PTO or not out. <laughs> it's a great game. What can I say? It belongs on the game show network. No, and everybody will say Yandel to Boston. I really don't think Boston will want any part of Keith Yandel. No, I don't. It doesn't make any unless unless he takes. You know, not he's not going to take veteran minimum because the, the defensemen don't do that. But he, you know, if, if he takes a million, million five, then yeah, sure. But he's not going to do that. I think he's going to go someplace that he can play every day. Because I'm sure the consecutive game streak is important to him. Um, I, I I don't know. He's he's from the Boston area. I don't know whether he would go to Canada. Um, like you know, there's a lot of talk about Ryan Suter not wanting to play for a Canadian team. I'm not sure whether Yandel. You know, if he if he thinks he has a legit, legitimate chance of winning a Stanley Cup going to Edmonton, maybe he signs a one year deal like Tyson Berry did. Man. But I I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean Edmonton's collecting them. That's all I'll say. Um, I did get a uh, a message from I don't know a guy named Randy Workman. Have you guys ever heard of him? I never heard of him, but <laughs> yeah, um, he did let me know that um, Ben Bishop waived his no move, yes, so he could be uh, exposed. Thanks, but thanks, Laker. That was that was like third on my news list. So you just screwed. I'm me. sorry, my cross that. Oh, bum, ba, <laughs> okay, so in in uh, I mean, does anybody think somebody's taking Ben Bishop? There's no way. No, that yeah. enables them to protect Kudobin. That's what it is. Right. Um, now, in response to the uh, Yandel uh, buyout, uh, Bill Zito was quick to make two other moves. First one was uh, signing former Blackhawk, former Carolina Hurricane Gustav Forsling to a three-year deal at a fairly decent amount, $2.66 million on a three-year deal. He played well for them, Russ, uh, last year, especially when he took on a bigger role after Ekblad was hurt. I'm just looking up his stats last year. 17 points in 43 games. Um, you know, he, apparently the comfort level with Quenville, based on the fact that he had Forsling in Chicago, is something that, you know, I mean, obviously, I think the Yandel move was a Quenville move. I mean, Quenville didn't want him on the team anymore. I mean, both of these things are Quenville moves. I mean, you don't think, I mean, at the end of the day, is 2.6 a lot? No. 
Is Forsling going to give you a lot? No. All they're doing is making sure there's enough guys that Quenville's not going to – Bill Zito doesn't want to keep getting a knock at the door um, about, you know, players not playing the Quenville way. That's probably what it boils down to. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, do you think that's the case? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that's that's pretty much on the money with regards to again Forsling. I like him, but again, he's a depth def- in my mind. He's a depth defenseman, and I think there's for a team like Florida, you need to have that. And again, if you when you're getting into the bottom pairs, you have you, the the coach has to feel like if there is guy, they're he's going to play him, and a, as a result, that helps the the high end. And not to overuse as the season goes on. Once Aaron Ekblad gets back, you need to be able to mitigate uh, ice time for Ekblad as he's returning uh, to the lineup. Sure, but let's be real. Joel Quenville, most games in the third period, doesn't play his bottom pair very much at all, if at all. No, he doesn't. But I will. But I will say that you know, in terms of, I'm not saying a third period situation, but yeah, you do. But if you have the option of, you know, if you got, if you got like whatever the ske- a schedule quirk where you've got however many games in so many nights. That's a good point. Yeah. It's good to have a person. It's good to have someone that you trust there that you can mitigate some of that ice time too. Right. Forsley's not going to be a 25 minute a night defenseman. No, 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 no. But he, but he'll be in the teens for sure. He'll be definitely right. in the teens. Maybe. And uh, with good stretches of play, maybe in the upper teens, he's probably a four or five with that team. He's a four. Like, he's yeah. a four Forsling. And second pairing defense. If you can get a second pairing defenseman at less than three million bucks, then you're that you're in good shape. I if mean, you get that level of performance, I think he's probably more likely four as his ceiling. I think he's more of a five or a six to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And the other signing was uh, Anthony Duclair, who rolled the dice on a one-year deal, uh, scored thirty-two points in I think forty-two games with with uh, with Florida. Uh, uh, so he earns a three-year extension at three million bucks, and that's three million bucks in Florida, which, if someplace else, would probably be like in the four range because of their state tax. Let me be the first to do this. Thank you, Florida, for finally giving this guy the contract he deserves. I mean, Ottawa did too, but like most teams didn't, and it never made sense. But it was Especially, always the one-year deal. It was always the one year. Yeah, and this guy can play hockey like he and can. It's a gr- and it's a good and it's a good number for a mid. For a, he's a, he is a he's a middle he's a middle sixer. Yeah, uh, yeah. M- you know, probably leans closer to the third, uh, more of a third line offensive threat who you can put on the power play on on the second unit. Second power, power play, play six second seven. power play unit, and allows. You know your top end guys like Huberto and everybody. You know yeah, that you can this is a really first. smart signing. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Now, uh, touching on some rumors, and Eck will be joining us in a few minutes. He said he has some stuff. That That's a rumor too. That Eck is joining us. Yes, yes. It's, it is a rumor. It's an E five. We're definitely in. It's a, not an E five. Oh, e four point five until yeah. he shows up on the show. <laughs> then it's an E five. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a friend, a friend of the show, Andy Strickland, former hockey buzzer, mm-hmm. uh, says that uh, Taylor Hall and the Bruins are moving towards an agreement, which is not shocking, and just makes makes it look more ridiculous. The rumor last week that was floated by, uh, I think it was Dra- Darren Drager, that uh, that Taylor Hall was somebody that the Leafs would be on the Leafs' radar. <laughs> you know, okay, with what money, please? You know, we'll, know. Get, we'll get to another rumor that that was uh, talked about uh, involving the Leafs. That's just—I I mean, I, I anyway. I, I swear, at times I think Darren Drager's using the rumor magic eight ball. I do. No, no, no. What happens is is that you call the agent, and the agent says, maybe. Yeah. 
Maybe. Yeah. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah. It only helps. Yeah, it, helps it. Me. it only helps my client. So go right ahead and float the Leafs out there because ooh, it's Toronto. Yeah. Wait. Hey, 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 Mitch Marner and that offer sheet from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Hmm, where did he get that one? No. Um. But uh, Taylor. Taylor Hall and the Bruins. Um, you know, it made sense because Hall <coughs> Hall enjoyed his time with the Bruins. You could tell by his production. He had eight goals in sixteen games after the trade with the with the with the league. His limited time. We'll see if he enjoys his time because if Taylor Hall's not scoring like right. Taylor Hall, he's gonna start getting the rest treatment. He like and, he, and he doesn't he isn't complaining about the rain every fifty seconds like Michael is. <laughs> ever since he got but, moved out of, ever since he got moved out of Buffalo. <laughs> And he did have a really good first round series for for the Bruins against Washington, starting and, a season flat foot. Yes, flat footed is. But this is, the, this is the Taylor. We all agree. This is the Taylor Hall formula. Yes, and we all said it. If he has a decent playoff, he might get a number. Not obviously what he had last year, but yeah, he's not getting eight. He, he will mitigate the level of what he's going to get in a multi year deal. I would I mean, be shocked. I'll say it right now. The over/under is twenty-five on goals, and I don't. There's no well, way I take what's the over/under over on. What's the over/under on the on the amount on the AV? I think it's. I think it's probably around five and a half. I'll say six. He'll six. push it to six. There, I think it'll be. There may be that right. That range. Oh, it'll right either there. be five point eight or six point two. Five and a half to six somewhere. The ball, yeah. ball's gonna start five and a half. He'll be at six. Five point seven five five point eight. Well, yeah. maybe I, maybe some maybe some additional things you put into the deal that I, yeah, works for Hall be, versus the Bruins. I would be surprised though if this isn't linked to some new deal for Krejci because I mean we know okay the 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 Krejci's like oh winger oh winger we said yesterday they've got money right the perfect the perfection line is intact they're going to keep that mm-hmm. line intact they're all under contract at least uh, per Bergeron for one more year. Um, Hall's success in Boston is going to be directly tied to having a center who can get him the puck. And Krejci was his center for the rest of the year. And I don't think they're paying Krejci seven million. I think it's going to be no way, no. less because he's thirty-five years old. But right. I would think that it would be, you know, that would be something that gets done. It'll, and I will take him Krejci to the end of his career as a, and he will be a likely a career long Bruin. Yeah, I mean, but but that's like a, maybe a two-year deal because he's 35. Right. I mean, the 35 and over thing doesn't matter anymore because if the mm. guy retires, it doesn't count against the Cavs. Crazy's got at least 10 more goals against the Flyers in him for the rest of his career. Now, okay, let's let's talk about that. Let's he talk. always scores against the Flyers, right? And he does. He does. He, he loves really it. does. When he, was not, when he was not in that 2010 series, he got hurt, man. All of a sudden, everything that was collapsed. A big deal. That was a big that, reason. That, that, that took everything out for the Bruins in that series there. Even though, even though those games were pretty close. No, but once he was, he was in the ball, they had a tough time matching because he's a yeah. he, he's absolutely was a flyer killer. Now the the interesting thing that is un, unfurling right now regarding Shea Weber is going to be something that we're going to have to track for a while because everybody noticed how emotional he was at the end of the Stanley Cup final. It was not simply just they lost and you know he's thirty I think thirty five and uh, that maybe that may have been his last opportunity to win a cup. Well, it may have been his last game. The way things are are going out there, whether okay. they're being, being discussed, uh, Dr- Darren Drager reported, and other sources have reported Weber's body is beaten up. Um, you know that he's had m- multiple injuries, hand, knee, a few other things. Um, now he's got, I think, five years left on that contract. This mm-hmm. we knew 
We knew that this situation was going to come up at some. It was point. eventually going to happen. It was. He knew now, it. now the uh, uh, Elliot Friedman said that the cap recapture, if say he retired today, would be five million a year for the Predators for five more years, for the length of the deal, and that's for somebody that, you know. I mean that they signed the contracts or they're on the hook and remember that could have been the Flyers. It could have very well been the Flyers, exactly. Very well been the Flyers. Now they're right now the debate is, and apparently this is I mean the, at the end of the day, technically it, it was the Flyers and this it was until it wasn't, right? And, and but, then, right no <laughs> but right now the, the, the whole debate is the LTIR whether he qualifies for LTIR and there's apparently you know the NHL is taking a hard line on LTIR because of everything that happened last year. Um, and this is something that might, according to Drager, might end up as a dispute with the PA. I mean Montreal, I mean, both Montreal and Nashville have a vested interest here because if he's on LTIR, he could stay on LTIR for the remainder of I would say Nashville more than Montreal, to be right. honest. Right. But 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 with Montreal, that's seven point eight million dollars in cap space. No, I know, I know, but they that'll eventually come off for them. The Nashville part really hurts, especially in a flat cap world. Yeah. That's, That's a killer. A, we always said, listen, we always said yeah. it was a po it was a poison pill contract. Yes. The poison pill was originally designed to make Nashville not, you know, match the offer, as we all recall. Well, they, they swallowed the pill, and now the after effects of this pill may be coming to roost here. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, if it's LTIR, it doesn't count against the cap. Um, Montreal. I mean, they may be a cap team over the next couple of years with, you know, when they have to re-sign Suzuki, when they have to re-sign Caulfield. But right now, mm -hmm. they're not a cap team. That's 7.8, unless they spend up to the cap, will count against the cap because they only get the relief on LTIR if they're what if they're right up against it. So if Weber is somebody who may not play again, this could be a pronger contract or a Datsuk contract. I mean, that's what it's going to be. Man. We all know what's going to happen. The fact that, considering the fact that you know Weber was basically – the Flyers were trying to get Weber because they were looking for another pronger. Go figure. Right. right. No, but that's what's going to happen, and we're going to hear rumblings in a year. He's trying to come back. He's thinking about it, and we're going to – you know, and it's just – Honestly, Weber, Weber turns into probably the uh, – it, it'll be the Mar – it'll be a Marion Hosta type right. situation. Weber's where a great guy, but you might as well just hang up the empty jersey in the locker room for the next five years because that's the way it's going to go. Me, here's the thing. He has got a lot of long, hard mileage. Now, he from does. a personal perspective – Oh, no, absolutely. I have as much concern for Shea Weber in terms of as he gets into the – you know. The, his 40s going yes. forward physically. Oh, he's the, been way he, the way he plays the game uh, it was physically punishing, not just to his opponents, but also to himself. Yeah, no question. No, no question. Now, here, I mean, again, I never liked this whole LTIR, empty contract stuff. I, I just <clears> – <throat> is there another league that does this? No, but no, no. No, other, no other league has a hard cap. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, you know, the NFL doesn't have, the NFL has, you know, franchise tags and transition tags. The N, the NBA has, uh, you know, the ability to play around and retain, you know, like the NHL is the only one that, ha I mean, you have the luxury tax, which is a hard level in Major League Baseball, but you can go over the luxury. Go Wait, ahead. I have breaking news. Go ahead. Cam Young says his girlfriend is Shea Weber's second cousin, 
and she talked to her aunt and she said Shay is pretty banged up and sore. Cam, we knew that, but I just no, we're not we're not disputing that. But he no, okay. I know. I, I just wanted to give Cam his moment. Th thanks, Cam. We appreciate the input. Um, uh, the, the Oilers still suck, um, oh. but, <laughs> but um, Weber's contract six million now cap hits seven point eight five million for the next five years. Six million in real money next year. Three million in twenty two twenty three. 1 million the last three years in two years, he's getting traded to the Arizona coyotes. That's what, that's what ends up happening. Cause it's a $1 million for $7.8 million. Wait, Mike, you just took a leap of faith that Arizona will well, be in Arizona. In two well, years. Was, was about, you literally took the words right out of my mouth. My, Russ, seriously, more like the Houston blades or whatever that we're going to call them. Yeah. Houston Blades. No, I, no, I got a better. I got a better one. Houston Cougars. The, 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 Cougars is taken, Mike. I know, I know, Russ. That's why I said it. I was thinking of something else. Maybe something that's more related to Houston. Houston um, swamps. Houston Houston swamps. Human, exactly. Houston climate issue. <laughs> we got the climate pledge arena in Seattle. We're going to the climate issue arena in Houston. Oh, brother! <laughs> I'll tell you, roaches in Houston. Unbelievable roach problem in Houston. Even if you have a million dollar house, you've still got a you've got a roach. Yeah, problem. I don't. I don't see. Tell Michael. I don't. Michael Varb. I. I. I don't think they're bringing back the Houston arrows. Is no, it? they won't bring back. I, I love the idea of of the arrows back in the AHL and and IHL days, but uh, arrows probably won't happen. Okay, couple couple other news and notes here while we stretched, waiting for Ack. Uh, Are we at a four point seven five yet? Are you four point seven five? He said he said ten minutes about eight minutes ago. So we, we could play okay. misunderstanding if we could. Four, we could play the music. Four, we could play the melody for misunderstanding. That might work. Yes, that's true. I could break out my Casio keyboard there and pretend there I'm go. pretend I'm Tony Banks. Um, okay, P Pierre Edward Belmar will not be coming back to the Colorado Avalanche. Not not shocking because the avalanche really have a lot of dilemmas Russ, when it comes to contracts. And I'm tying that into uh, Gabriel Landeskog, who apparently there is a large gulf between what the avalanche are talking about in terms of contract and what Landeskog is talking about. And it's understandable because they have to re-sign Makar. They, you know, they, they know that next year they're going to be ponying up big money for, uh, for, for McKinnon because I think McKinnon has two years left, but they'll probably want to get him. Point, they're going to have to repay Gerard too if they keep him. Well, no, no, he's on a long-term extension. He's still on a long-term? Oh, no, he signed a seven-year seven, – like a seven-year okay. extension. I was going to say last year was – he was had last year. I remember okay. – I'm pretty sure that con yeah that contract. Right, but he could, he, could, he could be somebody that they move out because they – you know now – with the expansion, just going far afield here, with the expansion draft, they still, even though Eric Johnson waived his no movement clause, Graves is still being exposed unless they go eight skaters. So that you know, that's then you're talking about probably you know, Graves screams Seattle crack in like first second pair. Yeah, he would be first pair. He, I, I I I can't if he's available. I, I if I'm Seattle, I absolutely. Uh, unless Sackick makes uh, makes a deal to protect Graves, you know, gives up one of their like a Martin Cout or somebody like that to, yeah. to you know, that that would make sense because they have a ton of prospects. But this Landeskog thing, and then you know, da David Pagnata, who I know from the uh, from uh, in the press box in Toronto, good guy, has a lot of. Jeez, I, know, I knew Pagnata when way back. 
Right. Um, he was he was on Toronto radio this morning and said that you know Landeskog and the Avs are way apart. Um, there's talk of him looking for money that's in the neighborhood of Miko Rantanen, which is in the nine million dollar range. And I, and I understand that from his perspective. Right. I do, but it, but Colorado might be getting in Toronto territory where it comes to okay, you're paying McKinnon, you're paying Ranton, and you're now you're paying Landeskog, now you're paying Makar. You know, at a certain point, you're you're going to run out of money. Well, he says uh, if Landeskog goes to market, that hmm, the Toronto Maple Leafs may be interested in Gabriel Landeskog. Now, you're not paying Landeskog back anything close to that. I okay, I get that. I get the game. <clears throat> I get that you know agents float out Toronto to get attention. Right. I get now let's just okay. Let's just say let's for a moment uh, say that that is legitimate. That the Leafs are interested in Gabriel Landeskog. I tweeted this out about an hour. If if they're interested in Gabriel Landeskog and he signs a deal, say in between what Anders Lee was making, because somebody mentioned Anders Lee as a comparative, mm-hmm. and the nine million dollar. Uh, uh, offer was so say eight million a year. If they sign him to that, then William Nylander is gone because that's the only way that they could do it for pennies on the dollar. Right for well or yeah, for, they, they would have to move. Them if quick, they right. make that move, you realize well, you know that that is not you know asset management wise, Michael. I know you you've been on the well, land on the on the Nylander move out, but for you've always been on the Nylander move out. To acquire defensive help, right, and that, see that, and it, now you're talking about moving him out. It's like you know, you know, was it Robbie? You know Pete? what I would do? Here's to play Paul. Here's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Robbie Williams to Gabe. I'm Joe Sackick, and I'm like, first off, thank you for that nine million dollar offer. We're not paying you that. Second thing, if you don't want to come any lower, I'll call Zach Hyman's agent. I will, and I'll just get Zach Hyman on a deal. Well, and that's see, that's what this is tied into here because the talk that came out this morning from from Drager from Pierre LeBrun regarding the Leafs uh, UFAs, uh, one that the Leafs have given Todd Reynolds, who's Zach Hyman's agent, permission to talk to other clubs. Uh, the other one is Pierre LeBrun reported that they have not done that for Freddie Anderson. Claude Lemieux is his agent. Now, this is this is the thing, Hyman. <clears throat> There, the the chatter is is that there are so many teams out there that are interested that the Leafs, by trading his negotiating rights, would be able to recoup. And you know, some people are saying, well, teams up against the cap might actually trade players. Nobody, I don't believe that any team, even if they're up against the tap, cap, are trading players for the negotiating rights for a player that they don't know for sure they're gonna they're gonna sign. So no, there's always a team that will, Mike. There's always one team that says, I will get the jump on this. You can, but it's usually going to be a player that is – I mean, we all remember Dan Hamhuis from the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Yes. and But they had a window. They had a decent-sized window, and they didn't give up much to make no. that happen. And I believe they recouped the pick anyway, right? They, yeah, I think they did. But in today's NHL, Hyman's worth enough that I would do it because – to fit him in the cap, it's a lot easier for me to fit in Zach Hyman than Landis Cog. And what is really the difference here, point wise? I mean, oh, Landis Cog had a career year last year after having some very good and off years I, I, in between. I, 
I don't, I don't know if Colorado is in on Hyman. I, I, I don't know that for sure. They, they may be one of a number of teams that, that the rumors are Edmonton and Detroit, and at, you know, Detroit doesn't have a problem with the cap. So, I, I the only thing I could see that, and th- this is the likelihood, I, if they're if they're trading Hyman to a team, the Leafs traded a boatload of draft picks at, to to stock up at the deadline. They might be able to recoup a couple mid round picks to trade. Hyman's negotiating rights before. And, you know, these are, they're not compensatory. They're not uh, conditional. They right. would hit them. And they have only three picks in this draft. Now, that doesn't help them right now <clears throat> in the future, but they want their scouting staff. They probably want to add a couple draft picks because they only have three in this draft. I, I, I'll tell you what I think the Anderson one is. I think what the Anderson one is, is they will make one last ditch effort, take it or leave it kind of offered to him. Right. before he becomes a free agent, and I think that's why they're doing it. They're probably looking at what their options are right now out on the market, and they're probably seeing what's the most we could pay Freddie Anderson, and they'll offer him that on a one- or a two-year deal, and that's what I think they'll, they're waiting on. <laughs> Excuse me. That's well, what I think they're waiting on. Well, and, and I, I just think that, you know, I mean, this is the, this is the thing that uh, – and I, I really wish – and maybe maybe he's maybe he is not insinuating what I think he is on on his tweet. But uh, D- Drager uh, indicated, well, you know, uh, trading his rights would en- enable uh, the team that uh, it is they are traded to to sign Hyman to an eight year extension. How many times do we have to say this? A team would have had to have made a trade before the friggin' deadline to sign a player to the eight-year extension. The only team that can do that is Seattle. Like Toronto is the only team that could sign Hyman to the eight-year extension. Mike is insulted that anybody would even bring it up at this point. No, but it's, it's but it's clear as day. It's been it's it's, it's no, it is. I mean, and anyone who watches this show should be ashamed of themselves. Right. It's it, it, you can you can do it. There you go. You could do a side. You could do a side. Official. We are at E five. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> now we're at E five. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, listen. I, obviously, like the you know the, the all the fun of the CBA. Um, <laughs> yes. As much joy as it brings us all. And excuse me. Excuse me. Has there been a sign in trade? In the NHL in the last no. ten years. No, and there's a real, yeah, it doesn't happen here, right? So, so, so more than likely, a sign and trade is not happening. Right, now, it's not. And, Hyman, yeah. at 29 years old with a history of knee injuries, as much as I love him as a player, and he's a, you know, he's a great player, and he's a great role player, but he's not getting eight years from anybody. And if he does, God bless him, but I, I, I don't see it. So I don't think the sign and trade thing is happening here. But you know, if 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 the Leafs can get more out of signing him and trading him someplace for the eight-year deal. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure Kyle Dubas would do that, but I don't think that's yeah. worth the mix here. So yeah. no, and, it's not. And I, I think that I'm, I mean, Hyman, I, I, I'm still not a hundred percent sold that he's not returning to Toronto talking to people. Um, But I think that it's definitely a situation where he's going to, he's going to, you know, he owes it to himself to see what's out there. I do think if, if push comes to shove and the money is a little bit less in Toronto than it is someplace else, but he well, knows that, what he has in Toronto, he stays in Toronto. It's well, a, that, 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 Act that might be what's behind because yeah. uh, what I said before he came on was that his agent was given permission to talk to other teams. If he if if they gauge the offers from say Edmonton or Detroit or whatever teams are interested, and they're offering right. five years at five million bucks, and the Leafs are offering five years at four point five. 
he might take the five years at 4.5. Yeah, I think he would take the five. I, I mean, he, he has good friends here. He's tight in that room. He likes it here. He wants to see this through. He's, he's one of those guys who is very much a part of, of seeing this through, um, has not gotten the point yet where he's like, I'm giving up on the franchise at all. So I, I, I this, as long as Toronto handles it well, which I feel like they are, I feel like they're communicating with him and talking to him from what I've heard, at least, um, then the, the door will be open to return. I mean, you have, it, it's not too, not too dissimilar to what's happening with Dougie Hamilton to a degree, you know, where, you know, Hamilton does want to stay in Carolina in some ways, but also thinks that, you know, Carolina is lowballing him. Well, um, he has good reason to feel that way. Yeah. And they are, and I think they're lowballing him more than Hyman's being lowballed. Um, right. but it's, you know, and, and there is something to the fact that Hyman is probably more valuable to Toronto than he is other teams. Um, just because of the, because of where, how he slots in. Um, I was talking to a bunch of people. I'm sorry. I'm late today, guys. It's, I really, I'm getting a real strong sense that starting tomorrow, going into this weekend, we're going to see the the wheels start to come off. <laughs> like there is, there is a lot of stuff being discussed, and you're starting to see trickles of it. Like today, Ben Bishop thing comes out, you know that he's, and then um, you know Keith Yandel is being bought out, which was really you know expected. I, I was kind of more confused yesterday when you started here that they were going to hearing they were going to protect Keith Yandel, which I never thought was going to happen, um, but. And that, and now you also hear um and we're hearing Eichel's name being mentioned a lot and to the, p- to the point where people are saying that Eichel one one GM literally said to me, I wouldn't trade for two Jack Eichels for the price that I'm being <laughs> for the price they want. That's how expensive it is to get Eichel right now. He says, if you were offering me two two Jack Eichels, I would say that that's too much money. Um, too much, too much to give up. At least right, you know. And I think that as many as sixteen teams have talked to Buffalo about Eichel. I was trying to do. More of a like, have you talked about Eichel? Who hasn't talked to about Eichel is more easy is easier to find right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is the Suter thing. Um, there is a general feeling throughout the industry out there that he is going to Philadelphia, um, and it's a very strong feeling that Ryan Suter is heading to Philly. Um, I don't know whether or not we can debate whether or not that's the right move. We can debate whether or not that's the. What do you think, Anthony, on this on that on that thought? I mean, you get you, if we're obviously connecting the dots with Chuck Fletcher uh, and yeah. considering Philadelphia's need. Now, again, um, not a right shot defenseman, but again, at, at his age, if they're looking to make some other moves here, considering their cap constraints, Suter's. I mean, he's going to have a lot of offers out there, but right. considering what his buyout number is, and he goes to a team where there is some level of you know familiarity philly i mean we're going mm. far back here remembering when the flyers were trying to pursue both him and parise back when he went to oh yeah Minnesota. yeah so i do think there's something there in terms of if it's if it's chuck being on the horn with him and try and, and bring him in that to me is the main connection point um tampa obviously russ has mentioned tampa in this case but obviously that number would have to eat I think Philly potentially, from a, maybe a dollar's perspective, may be able to do more than what Tampa is at this That's fair. And, again, it has to be a familiarity thing. It might be just the right balance for him. Well, um, I think there's more – and this is, sounds kind of weird, but Suter's very connected with USA Hockey in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and always has been. Um, there is more of a USA Hockey thing going on in Philly than there is Tampa. Um, you know, obviously, besides Fletcher, um, Holmgren is a big part of USA Hockey. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, – and although he does less with the Flyers all the time, he seems to be decreasing his role all the time. Um, I still I, think his voice is still heard. If he if he if he's speaking, that they, they, that that voice is heard in the room for sure. There's no question in my mind that he is already that they've already talked. That Holmgren and Suter have already talked, and that's something I think the Holmgren would say. Listen, this is what we're doing. I'm in Anthony's court though. If you're getting him, and you're still going to get somebody else for the blue line, maybe not to the same quality, but you have to get some other veteran in there. 
that's fine. If it's just him, then it may. Then the it, thing is, it, then, then, then then I'm not look, sure. They may look at it again. Depends on the number that they're getting sued at. And again, it's all short. It's more of a short-term effect, right? Where you want to have that a veteran defenseman to go with Ivan Provorov on that top pairing. If that number is an agreeable one, uh, a comfortable one for Suter and the team. That again, you still have other members on that blue line. They do have, you know, Braun under a contract for right now, yeah. right. going into this year for another year. That's a veteran that's there. They may look at that and yeah. say, "That's two veteran defensemen," and then we're gonna all right. I will go just... with, uh, and give and give Sanheim and Myers another mm-hmm. year of opportunity as that secondary pairing. Yeah, see, I'm not sold on that pairing right now, and you're gonna have to do a lot to sell me on that second pairing because. I'll tell I, you, I'm gonna, I, it was a rough year for them for yeah. sure, but I think there was a, I, there are a lot of effects that are involved. I am willing to give that pairing another season to work. Here, and, here, and, and I think that's what they're going to do because the, the, the um, every indication is of all the teams <clears> I talked to, and I, you know I talked to in, at least in the last week I've talked to two thirds of the teams. Of all the teams I'm talking to, there is no team that is blaming. COVID and writing mm-hmm. off the season more than the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, no are. question about that. And, 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 they're, and they're very much thinking that, you know, they're, they're looking back to where they were in the bubble in the playoffs with that prior pairing. to that, the March going at that March of 2020. Right, right up until, you know, the outdoor game basically but, in Tahoe when, when everyone got sick at the same time and you had all that stuff happening. They were they were at top of the division. They, they were, were but, but, they, but but that was a bubble waiting to burst. If you, they, they were let's, problems let's, prior to that, let's, it was. Let's, but I don't think they're looking at it like that. Let's ask the question though: Is that accurate? Is that reality? I don't think it is. Right. Um, but that's but but the real but uh, but when you know in, in reporting, all I can say is that that's where they are. You know, like yeah. I, and I think that whether or it's not like, they're right or wrong, well, that's it's almost like you have to just say. W- They'll be right or they'll be wrong. You know, it's like a, it's a cop. Yeah, right it's a cop is what it is. This is what I'm gonna say. I do think there is I think they want to have a little bit of they want to have a bit of a cultural adjustment in that room. Mm-hmm. I don't think they I think they I, I think they account for the fact that COVID definitely had an effect, but I don't think they like the way things went down. Yeah. Even and, and they were struggling. So a little bit of everything mm-hmm. on, on both sides, but I do think there is the chance here for obviously Obviously, the fact we'll see this obviously this weekend if Jake Voracek is exposed, we know the conversation that's likely going to be happening. Right. Um, and there's certain tweaks to the leadership structure that sure. might align them better, not just for themselves in the room, but also with the philosophy of Elaine Vigneault and how they want to play. Because let's let's remember, going into March 2020, they were clicking with under Vigneault's system. There's still a lot of questions. I like Giroux's not getting any younger. Konechny has to regain his form. I don't know where Sanheim is as an offensive defenseman anymore, honestly. And so I could come up with five easy questions, even if you get Suter, right? So I don't know oh, if yeah. looking back's the right way to do it, but they are doing it that way. It, 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 what I said was is that Suter, Suter is an option for obvious reasons, but yeah. it's not a case where Philadelphia could say, we got Ryan Suter, we can no. call it an offseason. Suter, right? They cannot. Suter is not right. a- Suter is not a Niskanen replacement. 
He's a good ad, but he's not a Niskan to replace. You need pretty somebody. close, Mike. He's pretty close. I, no, but, but <laughs> positionally, he's not. He's a left shot defenseman. He can't play. Well, yeah, looking but, at it, but, you're not, something, you're, but then again, you have to keep in mind you're trying to thread the needle here with a perfect yeah. thing, and yeah. you have to. I think what you're looking at here, Michael, is that you have to value what Niskanen brought as a veteran stabilizer right. for that blue line right. more right. than just the right shot part. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And we'll bring you minutes. Right. Minutes aren't an issue. He'll bring you minutes. Right, and what I'm what I'm saying is, what another move would be necessary? Meaning, it could mean trade Sanheim, and then you'd have, and then you have Myers and whoever you trade for Sanheim as your two right shot guys. Suter on one pair, Provorov on another. I can't see putting Suter with Provorov and it working out. I don't think Suter can play the right side. I don't think Provorov can play the right. Listen, side. Listen, Mike, guys can change sides. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Suter I wouldn't go. Provorov probably could change sides. Yeah, or, in, in Ontario, they don't get, seem to be able to do that. In, everywhere else in the everywhere yeah. else in the NHL, they can. Um, right. Except for up there, um, right. I, I think that. <laughs> I know no, it's true. I, mean, running how many times does Tortorella make defense. guys change sides? I mean, Sue has played in the Olympics on the other side all the time. Like, and he's yeah. been very successful. You know, in the Olympics, yeah. he plays the other side. That's where he plays. And you have to again, again, they have you have to be careful of always trying to. You can't let what's the old phrase? You can't let perfect be the enemy of yeah. of good. If you can find perfect, great. But if you if, if Suter checks certain boxes. Right, that Niskan more boxes in this case for that what you're looking for than not. You got, I think that's. Now, I've always been a Suter fan, but let me tell you, there was a big concern I have about Suter, and that, and 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 I've always been a Suter fan, always felt it that he was that he was solid. Um, always thought, you know, I liked him in Nashville. I've always, but he does. You do need to counter him in the locker room. He's a very strong presence, and at times a, ne a negative presence. And I hate to say that, but just like he is one of these guys who is very very. Um, you know, I'm trying to like compare him to like, you know, other guys we've had like Umberger in Philadelphia, like just like the guys that are just like that are very much like, you know, when things are going great, things are going great. When things are going bad, things are going horribly. Um, and the Flyers have, you know, we you want Provorov to be trained, not just a defenseman, but also as a captain in my mind. I think Provorov is the Provorov is the eventual captain of this team. And. I think if that's the case, then you want him to definitely. Now, so not thinking, Sean Couturier. We're not talking, not Sean Couturier. No, 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 no. I mean, no, Couturier, Couturier, I think, you know, very well could be the captain of this team. It should be. I mean, both of them are, Couturier isn't an obviously natural captain, but um, some, I, I just feel like sometimes that, you know, he, you know, the timing might work out that, you know, he Couturier retires earlier or whatever. You never know. But I'm just saying that at the end of the day, both of them are good. But, but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't worry as much as Couturier, as a suitor rubbing off on Couturier as I would a suitor rubbing off on Proverop. And to me, that's that's the difference. So, like, you know, I, I'm not saying that's a big deal. I think Provorov and Parise, who are, I mean, Suter and Parise, who both have that personality, together, are were a very were kind of not the greatest influence always in in Minnesota. Well, um, there there has been, and we we noted the the Parise talk about uh, the Islanders because yeah. the, I mean, there has been some chatter out there about both of them going to the Islanders. And, you know, because of trots, because of, uh, you know, Lou, I mean, I, I don't know how realistic that is. Now, if they trade Letty, then they would need a suitor as a replacement. Mm -hmm. So we lost that. So, I mean, um, so, I mean, Anthony, I don't know how realistic that is, but I, th I think that, I think that is a possibility and, you know, that they I, could be a package to, again, they were already a package deal once it could very well happen again, at, 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 you know, if, if they're believing in, um, that 
those are pieces yeah. that would work in terms of it, in terms of pushing the Islanders over the top. I could see that. I think I think that you know um, there's a reason that Garen moved them out as a t- as a pair. I, I think, and I know that you know Garen and Lamorello; these are all part of USA Hockey. They're they're in the same world. They know they know what's Lula, well, Lula knows what's going on. Bringing both of them in, I don't think is the right idea. Well, the cap the cap recapture was the reason why if more than anything. Act. I mean, I, Suter was Suter. No, was like we talked about wild. yesterday. The cap recapture was cheaper than what they ended up doing. And you know, and but it was the it was the uncertainty in terms of the cap recapture. It was not this was this was a pure out hockey move. Like I talked to people there, this was a pure out hockey move because, as I said, as I was saying yesterday, Leopold said told me it was the hardest day of his life to let to to to, to see both these guys go. Like this is a really hard. This this was they. This was about Bill Guerin saying, "I'm molding this team a specific way, and these guys don't work." And this is a pure hockey. It was a pure hockey decision. It really was. And. You know, obviously, their salary caps, you know, the salary hits are awful and what they are and all that stuff is terrible. And it does it does hinder them by buying them out. But the feeling was this is addition by subtraction in terms of what it, the addition that it gives the confidence, it gives other people in that room to step up and be the guys when Suter and Parise are gone. And that's really that's really what it came down to. The Flyers are in a similar situation. They don't have a Suter and Parise here, but there's a similar situation where you need some of the younger players to step up. And um, they're not that far off from being in that same spot as Minnesota. So I wonder. Well, that's what that. that's why Anthony was uh, intimating that uh, mm-hmm. you know Orchek might be, um, yeah, gone in some way. I mean, I don't know if that means paying off Seattle to take him or finding somebody. I mean, you know, I I, I don't know how, I don't know how Chuck Fletcher does it, Anthony. I I don't know how he pulls that off because the eight was it eight point six on Vorchek for three more years. That's mm-hmm. a tough nut. That's a tough nut to crack. It is, but if you have, again, if you find the right, if you're able to find the right team, plus you have, if you have, if it isn't Seattle, then there are other possibilities going both ways with yeah. both teams potentially absorbing certain things to mitigate sure. some of that number, and that's where that that's where it's going to come from. And I think that if he's taken by Seattle, I'll be. Wow, I'll be, you know, in many ways, I'll be, uh, but I'll I can be shocked. I'd be shocked. I'd be surprised. It'd be a wow if he is taken by if, if Seattle decides. And in that case, I would say his relate that that would mean if he's taken by Seattle, that tells me Hackstall that would have that had Axel input because I think Hack genuinely, for the most part, I think there was a fairly good relationship between. Oh, you uh, see, I'll disagree with that, Anthony. Really, you were told otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I mean. The biggest, the biggest downside when I was talking to players, talking to people in the room and like that over the over the mm-hmm. years, the thing that Voracek almost blames his career on, falling going, going the opposite direction, was going was Hackstall's hack. system. Like, mm-hmm. and and the fact that the fact that Hackstall didn't want anyone to skate the puck, skate with the puck over two lines. Remember that concept? Like, you know, he's like you bet, pass, pass, and you you never want to never carry the puck over two lines. That was Voracek's game before Hackstall. If you remember, remember pre Hackstall, Voracek was taking the puck. It was inside the Flyers' own blue line, skating it inside to the other, to inside the other team's blue line, you know, with it. That was his game, and Hackstall was all about pass, pass, move the puck quicker that way up the ice, and that really played with with Voracek and to a degree Giroux um, early on because Giroux does Giroux like doing the same thing. Eventually, that system kind of like eased off, and they let Voracek and Giroux carry the puck more, mm-hmm. but. Giroux started carrying the puck more, and Voracek really didn't ever return to carrying the puck like he did before. Um, and I, I, I think that I think I don't think there I don't think that there's a hatred there. I just think the systems don't. Well, I know it was, certainly wasn't. There wasn't any negative. No. Like when when Hack was gone, I think Jake for the most part had very 
positive thing. Yeah. I mean, publicly a positive Jake thing. Jake is a very positive guy, you know, like, as you know, like he's not, he's, he's not a locker room problem or anything like that. Like he's a very upbeat guy and, and yeah, and he, he was going to say nice things about everybody. You know, that's why but I like I, say, I, I, I will be genuinely, if, if Seattle takes Warcheck, yeah. I would be genuinely surprised. I, I see them taking someone more like a Robert Haig. I really do. I think Haig is a far more likely guy. Uh, for them to pick, because even with even in, even with analytic numbers not being necessarily favorable, he's yeah. a perfect depth. I think for a team like Seattle, would be a perfect depth. And Hextall liked Haig, if I remember right. Too. Right. Like, and, you yeah. have to remember like that. You know, you really have to. Hextall. If there's one team they're going to go to to ask Hextall's opinion, it's going to be the Flyers because he coached a lot of them. And so, the Leafs. Now, now here's a question for you: right, when, she, when 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 Barubi was the head coach of the Flyers, the relation. Mm-hmm. What was the relationship between Jake? And and Craig Berube. Oh, way better. Um, way better because because Berube had Berube had that like more of that Detroit Red Wings type mentality mm-hmm. about coaching, which is like you know, star players do your thing, you know, role players work to work your tail off, that kind of right. thing. That was that's sort of, that was his thing where you know Axel was more of the college hockey, and you know you hate to say it because he was a college coach, but he did like live up to that stereotype of the college hockey thing of like yeah. you know and as, and as a, and as a quote unquote starter coach who's trying to establish sort of an I, I, and again I. I I don't know if Seattle's going to be. I don't know if anybody can do what Vegas did in their first year. I don't think no. Seattle is necessarily going to build on that level. They could be competitive early on, great, but even Vegas didn't know that they were going to be able to be that good. No, that no, quick. no, and 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 a good forty percent of Vegas is was Mark Andre Fleury. You know, like the, you you need you need that key. You need somebody like that to just take over, not just not just on the ice, but off the ice and in the locker room. Fleury, just the attitude he brought. But he was so also well physically still in pretty good shape. Everybody was talking about yeah. Ben Bishop being available. Oh, could he be Seattle's Mark Andre Fleury? I'm like, what a name only? Because I don't know where he's at physically at this point, Ben Bishop, the amount of injuries he's had. Yeah, I, I, I don't see anybody. T- I mean, he waived his no movement clause. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see anybody unless they have some sort of guarantees that he is completely 100 percent healthy. Anybody being interested in him. I mean, if he was healthy, definitely somebody would be interested because he's a he's a good goaltender. But yeah. I, I don't know. You know, it's the last two years of him not being able. I mean, he couldn't play in the bubble last year. He wasn't healthy enough, and now he missed most of the year this year, or all of the year this year. So I, I think that time off, from what I'm hearing at least, the the, the 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 spin that's out there on him is that he's 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 like in the best shape ever and really ready to go. Like like he's ha- he's hasn't been able to play because of the bubble and 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 different July things like 15th, that. Teeth, right? <laughs> Ready to go, you know? Yeah. So it's like, there's a, he is definitely one of those guys who, if you buy into that, like you know that he is because he, like you say, Mike, at his best, he is very good, um, and he he can be a game changer at his best for sure. Um, I don't know if he's a Mark Andre Fleury game changer, but he's he's he has he has been. We've we saw him carry teams. Yeah. I mean, there were times when he carried Tampa. You know, for the, sure. But the difference here between him and Fleury is Fleury is one year. It's seven million, but it's one. Right. And I'm oh yeah, no. But right now, Flurry is yeah. That's a different. I mean, and Bishop. Different. Bishop, I think, is three years. It's two or three. Yeah. Two, two yeah. years. I mean, I still think I'm kind of like leaning with you guys. Like, I'm still thinking Holtby is the guy in Seattle, but I don't know whether or not that's. I mean, I don't know if you guys said that or somebody said that the other day, but I said Holtby is is somebody that either go that that mm-hmm. is likely to be uh, plucked by Seattle and then. Uh, filtered through to another team with 50% being right. Right. Okay. So I actually think he could stay stay there because I mean, one, it's close to where he's from, obviously. Um, But two, if there is a guy who's like 
kind of reminds you of Marc Andre Fleury in some ways. Um, you know that he has had he has had a major part in winning a Stanley Cup. He has the ability to 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 play to lift his game as we saw even last year. Like Hopi, when the pressure was on for the Canucks, like he has a different level. Um, which you know, and he still has that other level. He's also an incredibly positive person, like 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 Mark Andre Fleury is, like two of the like greatest like everybody loves type goalies, you know, that on your team. I can see Hopi being like, if I was Seattle, that's where I would go because that's the kind of guy who can help the young kids, can carry a team, is not afraid of a challenge, and not afraid of like 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 you know, not afraid of taking on you know, going to a place that's like you know, I mean, when Fleury went to. Did you think that Flurry seriously thought he'd have this many Stanley Cup chances when he signed with Vegas? <laughs> I mean, it's just like honestly, at the end of the day, he was he was looking. He, he wanted to be in a place where he was wanted. He was surviving, and he and he was just like, I'm happy to have, you know still have a starting gig in the NHL after having to battle yeah. it out with Matt Murray. Right. That's and he. I mean, he had done everything he felt like he could in Pittsburgh and still lost the job. You know, like no, he had, I, I. I think he was. I think he was looking at the reality that he's getting older and good smorgasbords in uh, Vegas. I mean, yeah, he went there and he was like, he was happy as could be. And, 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 you know, and, but immediately also Flurry took on the role of like being the, almost the mascot of the team. Remember, like he was the guy who, he was the face, he was the face. Yeah, of the immediately franchise. they threw him out there and every press conference it was Mark Andre Flurry yeah. with, it would be one sitting up with, you know, the, with the, with Gallant and the other guys, he would be Flurry. Flurry was the player who was the, and hope he could do that. Like that's something that hope he could do really well. Um, I think too, he's the most, um, uh, we talked just about James Alexiak, or two days ago, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. sure. I'm losing track of time now. Um, about James Alexiak, and his um, like his stock is rising, um, pretty quickly lately. Another guy the Flyers are interested in, by the way. Um, when well, talking to okay. his stock is rising because he's not going to be ex as expensive as David Savard. That's why. I mean, he's, he's a, also better than David Savard when I talk no, to people. No, he's not. And no, this, he's this, not. this, this, this is an opinion, Mike. But you know, what? like he's not there yet. But the upside of David Savard, like David, you can look at Savard a lot of different ways. David Savard is a tough one to kind of like evaluate. Okay, he is a good. He's a really good defenseman. No questions asked. But it, it, in Columbus, he was also thrived as like the third and fourth defenseman because that was because he didn't have to be. You know, Wierenski and Seth Jones are up top. He was he on the shut, he was on the shutdown pair with Gabrikov. Right, he could hide and right. That's where he was, um, and he's a good. And, and I have nothing against David Savard at all, but you know when when he was being traded for a first round draft pick, there were a lot of people who said that's you know that's situational because he's not this is not a first round draft pick type of a trip type no. of a pickup. He was the best defenseman available, but not like he's not like the guy that you would as a UFA would get garner a huge amount of interest. And I think that's what I'm, what you're kind of seeing now with David Savard. I mean, he went and won a Stanley Cup. He did everything he could possibly do. But, you know, he was, again, in that situation in Tampa, again, he was able to play the complementary role, mm. not have to be the guy. Well, and if, yeah, at times, I mean, it's an unusual situation when your bottom pairing is Sergachev and David Savard because they had Ruta playing with yeah. uh, with uh, Hedman, and that was a comfortable left-right combo. And they had uh, uh, Cernak playing with McDonough. So that you know, that's the. I mean, nobody's going to have David Savard on their bottom pairing. He's a he's a second pairing defenseman, right. right hand shot. Those are factors. He's going to make like I think I think he makes a ton of sense for the Flyers that they don't get involved in in Ryan Suter because mm -hmm. I think. But you know, no, I, I I would agree that he is probably if they don't do Suter, then then Savard 
kind of fits. He may fit, he may fit things a little bit even closer. He does. He's a better Jay. He's better than Braun, but he's not like you know. He's not like at the you know. But he's not at the level of um, Suter, in my opinion. Like, and and that's just you know. And I know that you know many people just dis- many people disagree with me, but I will go on the record right now, Mike, and we will challenge this. Anthony's our witness this season. Alex James Alexiak will have a will be a better, more impactful defenseman than than Savard. It depends on where he goes. If Savard if Savard goes someplace, you know, if he goes to Philadelphia, I mean, and fills the Niskanen role, then he could propel Philadelphia uh, into the playoffs. And you know, who knows what happens in ter- once you get in the playoffs? We, you know, but I mean, Alexiak is a four, five, six. And probably better suited, as Russ said, as a five-six. He's a big, lanky, tough defenseman, but he's got big holes in his game. And when you saw what happened with Dallas in the bubble, he was the he was the prototype of the double-edged sword. He would make a, a rush and he would score a goal, and everybody's like, "What the hell?" And then he would make a puzzling giveaway and get burned in his own zone. So yeah. I mean, yeah, he if for for a team that needs size, for a team that needs. Uh, toughness on the blue line, sure he can he could help, but he's not as well rounded and not as good of a two way defenseman as Savard is. Not yet. I mean, but I think I think the I think the trajectories of each of them. I think he's he still has more to go. I think I think he's he's a late blooming defenseman in my opinion, like one of these late blooming guys. You know, he 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 spent a lot of time back and forth between the AHL in Dallas and, and the NHL. You know, Alexiak was back and forth and back and forth, but then. They suddenly give him a shot, and he's playing 21 minutes a game, and he's he's the number one hitter on the team. He's doing stuff that really, yeah. and that number one hitting thing is a major thing right now in the NHL because there is a real gap in people having physical stay-at-home defensemen are not are almost non-existent in right now. Where ever, where you know Savard is still considered more of an offensive defenseman. You know, at the end of the day, like you know, and he's just I think that. And that's why I think Alexiak and Philly would make a ton of sense. They don't have anybody like that. He's kind of like a better version of Racco Gudis in Philly, but he's you know where he's going to hit and hit and hit, but he also has more of an upside. I, I uh, Anthony, I think Gudis is a better defensive defenseman than Alexiak, and um, Alexiak is just he's tough. Gudis has got that sort of you know that that unconscious ability to just get underneath people's skins that Alexiak has. And I think that that is sometimes it's very valuable. I think so. Um, And again, he had a really good, I thought, I thought it was a pretty good year for Radko. Uh, One of his better ones this year in Florida, whether or not that is also just his, you know, as he's maturing as, as an NHL defenseman, as he's getting into as as he's getting older and, and learning to be more effective in picking his spots. Um, I wouldn't be against Gudis back here in Philadelphia, but he's further down my list of. of yeah, I don't think I think I think that he and Quenville are like a match made in heaven in a lot of ways. Gudis and Quenville, they he yeah. Quenville loves having a Gudis type player at his you know at his call. Like if he wants to put that guy out there, he. But Quenville I do likes to make this statement. But I do believe that the Flyers, I think they want to have. I think they have enough young defensemen here at where I think they want to have. I think the veteran defenseman is the route that they're going here. Yeah. So I think a Suter or Savard. I think are probably higher on their on their radar right well, now. Well, Savard and Alexiak are the same age. Um, are and they I same age? Yeah, because so, I, I remember Alexiak had been around, but it's like I think the type of fit, yeah, in this case, and especially with a defenseman like Savard, and I, I think we do overrate. 
a deep playoff run impact on a player. For sure. But I do think it does. It might play a little bit of a factor here with regards to if they decide to tip and say, okay, we need somebody who's again. That's one of the reasons why they got Niskin in was because of it. Uh, you know, because he had extensive deep postseason experience. Yeah, uh, Savard is not Savard for the most part. He's he's been in the postseason this is as deep as he's ever. It is the deepest by far the ever. deepest he's ever gone. Yeah, yeah. Alexia Alexia Alexiak is twenty eight. Savard Savard. Smart is turning thirty-one. Yeah, so okay, you may look at it, you may okay, look right, at okay, it and sorry. say, in a numbers situation mm-hmm. where you're getting at least mm-hmm. maybe a few extra years uh, of Alexiak's prime versus you know Savard's prime, then that's something that can be open to conversation. <laughs> now there are, there's a team out there that's also interested in Savard who has had some pretty famous Savards on their blue line, um, and that would be the Montreal Canadiens. Well, um, and, and all that depends on how this. <laughs> Shea Weber thing pans out because right. they can't put him on LTIR. There, you know, there's a just you know, there's something that apparently there's going to be some sort of, uh, I don't know if litigation or some sort of uh, uh, um, negotiation between the NHL and the PA where the NHL is cracking down supposedly on uh, players qualifying for LTIR and. Weber, it doesn't sound like Weber has a specific injury that is keeping, that is like, it's one thing if he has a broken neck or, or a torn ACL, it, it sounds like a, a super uh, level of general body. Oh, this is going to go over so well in Montreal, Mike, after what just happened in the Stanley Cup finals. Oh, no, I, but this <laughs> You're is telling me that we can't have Savard out for a year, but Kucherov, yeah, that's fine. He can come back and kill us in the finals. Kucherov had <laughs> labrum surgery on his hip. You can't tell me that Savard. I mean, you can. No, you can't. You can't tell me that Shea Weber at this point in his career can't find surgery that he needs done. Like, there's, there's no way. There's no way that that's not. I mean, he's been through so much. The report yeah. that is out there said he doesn't have one specific injury. He has a number of smaller injuries. Now, if he has a number of smaller injuries, then that doesn't qualify for long-term injury. That's something he could come back and play with. But he's either he's choosing not to, or he doesn't feel that he can play at the level that he expects of him. I think legitimately he can't play at the level he wants to because he because of all these injuries more so than like you know like to me the situation is it's not it cannot be hard to find a doctor in this situation for Montreal to come up with something to one of those injuries be enough that keeps him out of the year. And David, and David Savard is from Quebec. So it would make sense. Yeah. You know, a right hand, a right-handed defenseman yeah. to replace a right-handed defenseman. Sure. It really makes a ton of sense. And they, then they, they tried, they I mean, they were at the, on him at the deadline too. They tried to get him at the deadline. Um, I think that, you know, he is the, he's a great, a great pickup. You know, if, if you're missing Weber for the entire year for them, perfect type pick up for them you know he, he's going to do a lot um yeah i think that that now there was one last thing before we go and i'm running along i'm sorry about that um but the one last thing is um i'm working on something big i will be able to talk about hopefully more tomorrow i'm trying i was trying to get to talk about today guys that's why part of the reason i was late we'll talk about it more tomorrow but um pk suban was brought up in the chat room and I, his name came up a couple times yesterday with me too as well talking to people um that he is a nine million dollar cap it but only owed two million dollars in salary um is very significant and PK, you know, Arizona. Arizona, perfect spot, maybe Seattle as like a, as an ambassador type guy. Um, you bring it, you know, PK is, you know, um, could he, re- you know, he couldn't return to Montreal because of the no. cap hit, but just there's places that, you know, where teams out there, like, you know, I even think of the predators, 
you know, like maybe a possible, you know, return to the predators who could, who could, who could take in that cap hit, but and not have to, but but also not have to. And you know, he liked there a lot. So there's a lot of different places. I do think PK won't be a devil when we start the season. I think he'll be someplace mm-hmm. else. Well, yeah, they, they paid the six million dollar signing bonus. So it, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's two nine million dollar cap hit, two million dollar base salary for teams like for teams like Detroit or Arizona Perfect. or Ottawa. It could make a lot of sense. And you're getting something with PK. You're getting more than just a player or two. You know, you're getting you're getting something that really is like, you know, whether or not he's engaged or not. You know, whether or not he can play anymore is a big question. But he definitely has. He definitely, you know, he, he definitely has that personality type thing that that teams love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I okay, I could see the benefit of that from Seattle. Because you're, it's it's a situation where it's the inaugural season. You want a spokesman. You want somebody who's going to make the game popular. Because more than likely, mm-hmm. Lightning's not going to strike twice. It's not going to be a situation where Seattle is going to be contending for a Stanley Cup. The, the, the Seattle is basically going to be a team that is going to be outside on the outside looking. Yeah. But they want to they want to entertain people. So having Subban on their team might might be something that you know is beneficial to the to that first year of the franchise. But as a player, I mean Russ, I, we all say that PK Subban is close to being done. Yeah, I don't think Ron Francis will do it because I think he's too harsh of a judge on that. He's seen too many players like that, and even though he could pay the what eight million dollars freight or whatever. He has a nine million dollar cap hit, but yeah, two million, only two million dollars in salary. So it's like a big. It's like you know, it's like a seven million dollars in free and salary. Unless you I, think, I, I think there's a decent. No, you might have a de- more decent chance of PK be- being hired full time by at ESPN. Right. That's why I said unless he's a part of the broadcast team and yeah. he agrees to that deal, I'm not doing it. For the first ever player slash color commentator. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> on the ice, have him, but awesome. I'm also commentating no, on the no, entire no, game as it goes. You're wrong because your favorite goaltender, Carter Hutton, in Nashville, was doing color while he was the backup goalie. I know. Yeah, that's know. true. That's true. Different than being an actual How dare person. you forget your favorite goalie? Come on, Ak. I have. N- I never forget Carter Hutton. We have we have we have brunch every third Thursday. I okay. Carter Hutton and I have. You know, and, and your second all time favorite franchise. Exactly. <laughs> or maybe or maybe your favorite franchise at this point. Right? I, I mean, uh, no, I don't know. The second favorite is Montreal. Eck, I don't know if you want to mention something draft, but I was just talking about it on Sirius. Um, there was a tweet earlier by John Bogle that that said that Sabres fans, uh, some of them want William Eklund as the number one pick and not Owen Power. I've not seen any evidence of that. I I wouldn't yeah. say it would be a bad pick because William Eklund's a hell of a player. He's <laughs> terrific on the rush. He's got a great shot. He's smart. He forechecks. Uh, but he's not like Nathan McKinnon. Like when I years ago when I was writing a uh, mock for Comcast and and I picked McKinnon over Jones and then there was this guy this you know wise ass that basically said I'll bet my house Jones is going first and I was like I didn't I didn't respond back. But the idea is. I knew McKinnon from really watching him that he was like, when you saw him in person, the speed through the neutral zone was evident even in, in junior hockey, right? So I said, that is so special that that's why I thought, you know, Colorado would take him, and they did. I don't know if Eklund is so special compared to yeah. Powers that you would do that. Now, do I know that Buffalo is 100% set on Powers? I can't say that because it's Buffalo. And so I have to say there's probably a minute chance – that something like that could happen. 
because it's Buffalo, they, you know, they would get the first overall pick and it would have to be a defenseman, which is the one thing that they probably don't want to do. Like they, they would rather draft anybody but a defenseman. Yeah, but why? I mean, Ristolainen's not going to be there. McCabe's not going to be there. You no, still. I mean, I agree with you. That's true. That's true. But they do have their best young player besides, you know, Eichel is a defenseman. I mean, they're going to be. I mean, there's Rasmus Dalin had a rough year, but he is no question a star yeah. player. But do we yeah. not agree that defense wins in this league? I mean, look at the teams. No, I agree, but is Dalin better than Power? Is, is you know, would you rather have Dalin than Dalene's Power? Dalin's better offensively than Power. Is he better all around? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I I, you know, based on what we've seen, I can't say that yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is an. You can tell the Sabres fans would just love that this was an obvious thing. The problem with this not being an obvious thing, and it is obvious, but it's it is not. relatively obvious, but it doesn't – it's just enough controversy for Buffalo fans to lose their minds. Um, yeah, know, I think that's fair. I it's just an, and, you know, of course I'm an Eklund fan, but, you know, I think that um, – I, I, I don't think – from everything I've heard about about the kid, you know. Of course you're well, not saying he's even though, I, even, though I, even though I raised him to be a good two-way player, he's yeah, just has definitely right. turned into more of an offensive player. You, you tried you, – you, you, at least you were able to tell him to not be a goalie. Yeah. I did my best, yeah, <laughs> unlike, the other, unlike, the other, unlike my older son, Eklund, who was drafted by the Dallas Stars as a goalie. Yeah, this guy this guy is um, definitely, you know. Of course player. you're a fan of your son, Eck. I know. Like I said, I raised him to be a good two-way no, player. And, but, you know what? His dad was a player. His brother's a player. His dad was kind of like an energy guy who taught him how to forecheck and such. But at the one thing he has in common with you, when I went to interview him, I screwed up on the time zone thing with Sweden, right? So <laughs> when I called him, I called him on the right day, but it was 6.30 in the morning instead of like later. So he didn't answer. So then I went back to sleep because it was like, here it was about midnight or something, or maybe a little before midnight, eleven thirty. He calls me at one. My phone goes off. I answer it, and then I quickly run downstairs and talk to him while I was just out of a dead sleep. And that's like you. You talk to people at one in the morning. I, I yeah, I was up till four thirty last night. I was just like, <laughs> so just he has that common with you. Oh my gosh, it's craziness. I, there's some day, there's there's a point every night at which that it's just going to sleep is pointless. I've done that a couple of times this week. <laughs> Yeah, because you get more tired if you go to sleep. I do, I do. I'm a much better napper. Like you know, I'm yeah. very good and very good on days where I, you know, I'm, I'm taking a, my nap right after the hockey buzzcast. Sometimes it puts me puts me in a perfect place to sleep. Anyway, um, <laughs> wow, wow, <laughs> that's a joke. Here, um, all right, that's all the time we have. Thanks for jumping back, Anthony. Always great to see you. We'll be back again tomorrow, guys. I'm telling you, tomorrow is the Fri member Fridays, the curse of Fridays. Where if you want to put out something kind of crazy news wise, you want to try I to slip some, you try to slip something under the radar with a with with a buyout or a trade. Friday afternoon is a good time to do it, especially in the summer when people are like heading off to different places and aren't going to pay yeah. attention for a couple of days. Yeah, I would look out for tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be interesting. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 